Hello, and welcome to Miss D's Lunacy. Today I have with me an amazing photographer named Christoph von Holmberg. His photographs have been collected and shown internationally and in private collections around the world, shown in museums and galleries, and he is here in person to tell you his history of how he's accomplished so much, and welcome Christoph to the show. Thank you, Miss D. It's an honor to be here. Thank well, you. it's an honor to have you because you're a rather acclaimed <laughs> <Really>? photographer, uh -huh. <laughs> and you have a rather large following. You're so embarrassing me. <laughs> no, I'm telling you like it is. So we're going to talk about how you first started in all these wonderful things. You're going to tell us a little bit about your life. Ah, my life. Years and years. Okay. Let's see, I started taking pictures more or less when my stepfather gave me a two and a quarter Roly twin lens camera. And um, I was around nine or ten and I was taking pictures. I don't know why or what, was, what I was getting out of it, but I had this affinity with taking pictures constantly, constantly, constantly. And as time went on, time went on I um, went to Europe, to university, and in Madrid, I started thinking of taking pictures more seriously. And so I was following the steps of Cartier-Bresson and taking pictures of streets, uh, people washing the streets, the, 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 the whole thing. I mean, the just the, the, the realistic life. Yes, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. And then after that, I, I'm off to Paris for the second year, because I spent four years trying to become a Renaissance man in, in, in Europe. I was tired of going to upstate New England colleges and another four years there, so I wanted to be a Renaissance man, learn languages, travel, and see the world. And that, I thought, was a great uh, asset to becoming a photographer, to take all that in. Absolutely. So then, I, in Paris, I, uh, after studying for about a year or two, finishing university, of course, not of course, but I did. Um, I started assisting there, and I assisted a few times with Guy Bourdin, which was a sort of a very uh, amusing and interesting character to work for. I was the second assistant. He had a problem once uh, with photographing for who the girl was, but uh, they didn't have any proper strawberries in Paris. So what they ah. did, he flew the other assistant down to Nice or Cannes to get strawberries and come back and shoot her in the afternoon because he didn't, you know, he wanted the fresh looking strawberries. He didn't, couldn't get it in Fouchance. He couldn't get it anywhere. Fantastic. Th things like that. And, well, eccentric, shall we say? I uh, say so, yeah. And, um, you know, that was sort of my beginning of my photography ass assisting for life. And then after that, I said, well, I, my father said, well, do whatever you want. Just be happy with it and do it well. So I put that into consideration. And I was painting there for a while in Paris. I wanted to be a painter. And I was influenced a little bit by uh, Kurt Schwitters, Max Ernst. Oh. And I studied with a, a, a teacher there who was a student of Leger's. But he told me, he said, Chris, you've got beautiful, beautiful work. Your, your, your colors, your abstractions, your collages are fantastic. But I'm going to tell you something. Later in life, like a tree, you have branches. And if you don't go back to our studio to learn how to draw properly, you're going to be stuck in that branch and you're going to regret it later in your life. So a lot of people thought that was terrible for him to say. And I think it made sense to me. So I think so. I, I, take, tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. And so then I uh, decided I'm going to take photography seriously. I called up a friend of my stepfather's who was his assistant. 
His name was Frank Muscati, and I started doing advertising and working for record companies. Well, I wasn't, he was, and I was assisting him for a few years. Then I moved on to a fashion photographer called Bob Stone, another one called Peter Castellano. And then one day, I couldn't load film anymore. I couldn't pay attention to the set anymore. I was drifting and drifting and drifting and drifting. And then what happens, I just can't work anymore. I've, <laughs> got, to, I've, I, I, I've got to get my own jobs. That so I had good. an interesting uh, dinner um, after I quit assisting. And there was a lady from Vogue. And she was the, uh, the editor of the uh, Vogue Style or something like that. And, uh, so she gave me my first job at Vogue, and I was very, very excited. And uh, it was like, I tried to pretend like I did this all the time. They had the huge Winnebagels in front of Condé Nast, where the, when it used to be in Madison Avenue, full of hair and makeup, all the girls, and I would walk in, you know, and pretend like, you know, oh yeah, I do this all the time. How you doing? This and that, I had no clue. You know, I was so paranoid, and, but I was cool. But you're but, so cool, you never look at even if you yeah. think you're nervous. I mean, that's what's so great about you, your appearance and your demeanor is wonderful and instant, instant rapport with you. But inside, it was all... <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine. But everybody loves you, darling, so... So then it continued like that and I started working with them for a while and then I got a call from the Museum of Modern Art and they were interested and wanted to know if I did any reportage story. Aha! And then comes back to Madrid where I did these things because I was shooting all these things under Franco. And there, for instance, you couldn't have more than three or four people in a group in a plaza like the Plaza Mayor because it was insinuating a riot. So you'd always see people from different areas walking back and forth and talking to another group. And then he would switch with the other guy. Interesting. So I, and the show was called Under Franco. So I had a... It wasn't like a show show, but they had a certain area there for the art lending service. And I, uh, I showed there, and then I had a couple other shows there. And then, then that was that, I guess. That was the end of that period. But it sounds wonderful, because don't forget, this was a very exciting time of year as well. I mean, in the 70s, and the, it was booming with fun and disco and go-go girls and dancing. So there was a lot of energy in the beginning of all the... Uh, oh, yes, uh, absolutely. But the, the the odd thing is, is when my stepfather once told me, he said, you know, I wish I was your age, and and I could, uh, how do you say it? I, I wish it was you, at at my age. I wish uh, with my mind and your age is what I want to be, because because I remember when I was doing that on twenty three, twenty four in New York. I had no idea. I was just walking around like a zombie all the time on automatic. I didn't know the Museum of Marty Arp, so what? Big deal. You know, <laughs> you know, I didn't really take it all in until later. I said, My God, I had a show at the Museum of Modern Art. You know, oh I shot for Vogue, man, you know. This was all very cool, but I was just sort of like in in, in a But it know, was that zone. era. It yeah. was an era where everything was sort of happening yeah. at night and it was just but it was wonderful yeah. and it was a tremendous success in London. The seventies were probably yeah. some of our friends' favorite time of their life mm -hmm. it was so burgeoning with activity and music and freedom and mm -hmm. it was quite something because yeah. before that there was of course the war and people were not in a good mood and this was sort of a rejuvenation re re of the of the youth mm -hmm. and the culture and the enjoyment of the young which was I thought was a very yeah. important point but your famous story now is that Vogue, was it Vogue that asked you for do the, the book? No, no, it was Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair. Who knew that I knew, no, knew that I knew so many various uptowners and downtowners uh, from uh, Friends of Andy. So uh, they asked me to do a shoot who's wearing miniskirts at Andy's memorial, so a fashion shoot. 
And I said, fashion show Danny's memoir surf. Okay, well, all right. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. And, uh, but, you know, Stephen Sprouse reintroduced the mini uh, in the 83, 84, 82, somewhere in there. And uh, and he, he uh, changed it a bit by putting, let's say, uh, uh, Keith Haring's uh, little people in there. Exactly. Or, or a little different from the 60s, but he, he, yeah. he used the street art influence and things like that. I thought it was great, but sadly, uh, he sort of, um, I guess, ran out of money and things happened and, and he didn't continue. However, going back to the, the shoot, was that that's, I think that's what uh, the, the uh, Vanity Fair was hoping for, that people would wear minis and all sorts of things. And nobody really did. So I just started shooting everybody who I knew or didn't know. I just saw who was important, this and that. And they never ran the story. So that goes on for a year or two. And then I said, what the hell? Why don't I make a tribute to Andy? I know all these people. So I started writing letters to everybody. Amazing. You know, and then they wrote me back. So we have little anecdotes from all these people who were, and fun anecdotes, how Calvin Klein and Andy would go shopping for a Mercedes-Benz convertible, who liked what color or this and that. John Richardson, the great art critic, or art collector, or art critic, wrote a beautiful eulogy. And he said, and he gave it to me on the, in, in, the, uh, in the book. And... Charlie Shipes helped me to put this book together, and uh, it's so it wonderful. Was, it's called yeah. Andy Warhol: The Day the Factory Died. Yeah, that's it. And I hate to say, but I don't think you could get it anywhere. It's become a collector's item. It is. It has been. It was sold uh, sold out in three months to three thousand two hundred copies. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so unfortunately, my dear listeners, you can't get this book. <laughs> but you could probably. My publisher has sixty more. If you want the to get publisher it. <laughs> has sixty. But who would that For be? For the second edition, though. The yeah. second edition. Yeah. Who was your publisher? Uh, from Empire Editions. Now with Rizzoli. His name is uh, uh, Anthony Petrolis. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. But this is so spectacular. This book, mm. and it's just. Thank you. Really, all the era and the snapshots, mm. and some of them are in different colors with different backgrounds. And of course, people at that funerals are not particularly jumping up and down. I mean, this was a little bit more somber occasion. It, this, yeah, you would think it was a somber occasion, but everybody's smiling. You know, uh, <laughs> you, you know when they came in, a lot of them were somber, and then and then as you go out, it's a very very contrasty. But I've been to lots of memorial services where. Andy right. reminded the ability to view life and appreciate its beauty through the eyes of a child. How true. How lucky we all are that he shared his vision. That's Cornelia Guest or something. Yeah, it was Cornelia Guest. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> this is fabulous. So Thank this you. has led to, of course, many, many things from for you as well. Yes. This book was sort of the premiere. Well, it took about 10 years to publish. I mean, he died in 87, two years go by. Nobody wanted to publish a book about Andy again. They said, no, another book about Andy, da 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 And then finally, when Charlie Shipes came to my cocktail party, he said, what are those boxes doing with all those photographs? I said, I've been trying to make this book for years. Nobody's interested. Are you crazy? <laughs> this fucking book is fantastic. Rick, I'm going to call the publisher right now. Anthony came over. And there you go. And then he said, let's mm -hmm. publish this book. And then it was a hit, you know. So, I mean, that's how the whole thing got rolling. It took about 10, 15 years, but, but hey, it got done. Finally. It got it done, got, and yeah. it doesn't matter. because Sometimes when you wait, it gets better. Than, you know, always a rush, anxiety for let's get this I thing out so. there, you know. <laughs> what a great, yeah. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And I think this is a memorable thing because mm. now people can't get it anymore. And mm. since he had such a following of friends, mm -hmm. it's become really a collector's item. I'm yeah. sure somebody could sell it on eBay for a tremendous amount of money but then we've moved on because now you started really do some wonderful things but well, then I yeah then I had some shows uh, I used the photographs 
from uh, the, the Warhol book. Yes. Made huge blow up 60, 40 by 60s. And then we went to Munich. We had some shows there. Sold and, and, and we sold. In Munich, we didn't sell out, but we sold four or five big prints. We traveled to London. We had some shows there. They got sold out actually about three years ago. Funny enough, though, it took a while. And then in, and then I had another show in, 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 in Vienna just recently. Yeah. And that sold out completely with my nudes. And so, and then I have, sh have shows here in New York. And it's, uh, you uh, did, and you also had th two shows at Graph, I believe, and you sold yeah. out of all of your books. books yeah. I think some of the other books that you were doing were sold out. You did the Silver Fund in Palm Beach. Yeah. Which was, and you were the nudes and the Warhol memorial photos, which mm -hmm. was amazing. Then you did the Vienna. You did Southampton just recently. Yeah, just to Southampton. And I have a show about Cuba, which is a, a group show. Uh, which I'm really honored to be in because my work is sitting right next to Henri Cartier, Bresson, Walker, Evans, and Graciela Utrebid, and all these well-known, you know, I mean, I'm just a little humble little no, person No, you're here. not. I think but you're larger than life. But it's that part of history that, that I've shown with Henri. <laughs> you know, it's quite It's, a, it's quite wonderful. Amusing. It's absolutely yeah. wonderful. You deserve every minute of it. So now we've got another book coming, which is amazing, called Another Planet. <laughs> And it's uh, photographs from 1976 to 1996, and this is fantastic. Well, I think this you is a great fun book. And great. It, and book. I, I've got I got with the the, the Ford with Jay McInerney and Bob Colicello. Sorry, in stories by Bob Colicello, Candace Bushnell, Anthony Head and Guest, and many more. And Top of the line. We, yeah, and then you know what it, it motivated me to do this is because I got sick and tired of the media constantly saying the 70s and 80s was downtown. The Ramones, Patti Smith, Robert Mapplethorpe, etc., etc. Yes, it was. It was all innovation down there, but it wasn't. That was not how it happened. It was a group of different to uptown, downtown. Uptown glamorized the scene downtown. It was a it was a, I'm going to read you a little, my little introduction, Wonderful. so you get a little touch of this. This book reflects 20 years in pictures that brings to life a forgotten era. Style and creativity ruled with energy and excitement in New York for two whole decades. This historic time capsule contains photos and letters and is a tribute to an era when giants of fashion, art, and society collided spectacularly with drag queens, hustlers, and clubbers. You see, everybody mixed together. These two decades epitomize a time not known since Paris in the 20s. This historic era is over, a time where gay and straight, rich and poor, old and young, famous and unknown, downtown and uptown came together. New York in the 21st century has become sanitized and politically correct. The historic movie theaters on 42nd Street we once knew, the peep shows, the prostitutes, the meat district, the fish market, all gone. Being permissive has become a bad word. The color and soul that once was in, in, is now no longer. This scrapbook is a eulogy to this era. Now let me write, read you a little thing from Rudolph, who used to Beautifully be the owner. written, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Rudolph, who um, was the uh, one of the owners of Dance Interior, all three of them. <coughs> I'll just read you one little paragraph here. In 1978, 1980, 1984, ah, it's been so long since New York is one of those disturbing, rotten cities of the world. The shame of America. New York was bankrupt, decayed, sweltering, and falling apart, just like those big old GM cars of the time. It was considered a dangerous place to be. <clears throat> with gangs everywhere, hookers all over the place, in Alphabet City, Lexington Avenue, Park Avenue South, Times Square was full of porn theaters, 
drug pushers and perverts of all kinds. Broadway's ramshackled hotels gave shelter to all sorts of junkies hallucinating perpetual daylight madness, while anybody's most secret obsessions could be feverishly fulfilled 24 hours a day, anywhere under the stairways of any abandoned building behind the piles of garbage and littered the streets. Ah, those were the days, or better, those were the nights. And to me, being a true appreciator of all this fun and decadence, it was heaven on earth. Uh, <laughs> I was and, about and to story, say, that he, sounds terrible. And then it goes on and on, and he gives great, great uh, great stories of all the days from Plato's retreat to, to whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's great fun to well, read. Well, it was definitely decadence mm. back then, but I never was in trouble. I mean, I never, I think I got followed once, but other than that, I think I was pretty safe. We were always, as you said, in a pack. Yeah, but <clears throat> but also I was uh, I don't know everybody else seemed so paranoid. They had the 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 the, the, the guardian angels because the, the police couldn't do anything. I don't know. I, I always felt sort of like I kind of it was you safe to me. All that, you, know? you kind of liked all that nonsense. Yeah, going yeah. On. Sort of like it was all fresh, you know, and uh, sort of you know earthy, and uh, it was it was motivating. There were so many celebrities in another planet. Tell me a story that was interesting about one of all the celebrities. There were so many. Oh God, it's gonna be tough. But the one interesting one is that very few people know about is that when I photographed Robert Duval, this all part of that period. Very few people know about it is that he was doing a film on gypsies called Angelo, My Love, about the whole gypsy community in New York City. And uh, so uh, when he came up to the studio to do the posters with the gypsies, <laughs> which we did the group shot. And then I, we did some solo shots because Interview Magazine wanted some of them. So Robert is always portrayed like this wholesome American guy that you would think he doesn't have much brains or anything. So I said, but this guy is brilliant. He's such an intellectual, deep thinker about things. He thinks things through and he gets very emotional and this and that. And so I so said, I'm going to portray him with the shadows and his hand and his face and, uh, and struggle, you know, things like this. So I started shooting him. And with actors is the problem. A lot of times they want to know the script. And, and they were saying, well, what does this mean? He said to me, he said, what do you mean, what does it mean? I'm doing a graphic shot with you, unless the thinker. What do you mean, what do I supposed to think? <laughs> I said, so I said, well, you can think anything you want, but just keep going, put the arm. But what do you mean, why is the arm going over this way? Well, what's the storyline? I said, there is no storyline. <laughs> okay, forget it, I got it. <laughs> so I shot six frames. But this has happened many times as actors, that they're used to... They're, they're they used to being cued. Cued, roll, what am I doing? You know, like maybe a model would with her, with her clothes and how to move it or something. They're just not used to the still saying, okay, now what? What do I do with my face now? What's the cue? What's the line? You know? So that's that's just just one of the stories. Now that book is of course f to be found because yes, you can buy this at Barnes and Noble, it's sold anywhere at the okay, moment. Okay, and it's it called Another Planet, and it just came out. It is fabulous. I suggest everybody mm -hmm. take a gander at it. It's absolutely wonderful. And congratulations, by the way, oh, on that you. one. I mean, we are moving along. His nudes are the most beautiful nudes I've ever seen. You've got pictures, absolutely amazing, and then you have this amazing. Epiphany in Mexico, which was wonderful. Ah, the Mexican book. The Mexican book. Now we're really moving along here. Well, I was, I was, um, I went to Mexico and I um, just taking everything in, and then 
I came back to New York and started doing some research, looking at books on Mexico. There wasn't any books. There was Carla Frida, Frida Kahlo, Carla Frida, whatever it is. Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo, Diego Rivera, interior books, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended, I said, this doesn't show Mexico. And then I was also, I was so inspired by my dismay in reading for the past 10 years, the international press on drugs and murder in Mexico. The world has lost its focus, I said to me, (laughs) you know, to myself. You know, it's you know, Mexico is one of the forgotten. It has. It seems like they've forgotten that Mexico is a cradle of civilizations and the cultural world power. And I said, I've got to do something. So I went down there. I spent eight years just walking the streets of Mexico City, photo, photographing the street scenes, the, hanging around with the street artists. I had great time doing that and then you know people are accessible there you know today with all the computers and, and cell phones you, you can't get, you can't see anybody and tell you you want to see Jeff Kuhn forget it it's going to take you three years to see the guy <laughs> before anybody gets in Mexico you just call up ah see they're very warm let's go have a tequila and they could be one of the top top artists there they you know they're they're very open you know Welcoming. it's like New York was in the 60s and 70s you know you can call up and he said gee that's nice you know, I'd like, sure, why not? Let's have lunch. <laughs> you know, you know? Right. it was not t- t- today. It's, you know, no one has any access. To well, the, the relationships yeah. are getting much harder. I call them yeah. robotic relationships, uh. which is what I did an interview many, many, many decades. I mean, many interviews before yeah, yeah. about the fact that people are not communicating properly anymore. And so what you were looking for was that intimacy that is yes. somewhat missing. And you found it in Mexico because they're so, so, they love to the guitar and the dancing and the sombreros and everything. <laughs> they have such a great life. I mean, they really do have fun. The Cubans as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. They enjoy, they dance, they're amazing. They, and for, for the little that they have, they make the most fun out of it. It's one of the best places in the world to go to Cuba. Mm-hmm. It's a, well, of course, it was inaccessible well, I would for go us. right now because it's going to be over. All, and the, you should. A, a, a la Americana. Already they're having, because of capitalism, they're already having crime. They're already having girls that get uh, raped. Oh, no, <laughs> it, but they've got the first yeah. cruise ship there. So yeah. things are not <laughs> going to change, which is unfortunate. Yeah. My mother lived there many years ago, and I had mm. the privilege of going at a time where you weren't supposed to. We went under an organization for yeah, religious... Yeah, I went there in 2000, yeah. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. And the happiness... I didn't do the organization. I went, you know, through Mexico. Oh, so exactly. That smuggled in. Well, anybody <laughs> could have done that. And people yeah. came back with beautiful art. There were fabulous yeah. artists. Cars yeah. were fabulous. People were dancing in the streets. All they had to do was get the sombrero and the guitar, and they were had a party, instant mm-hmm. party. Absolutely fabulous. So Mexico was very special for you because you spent so much time sort of integrating with the, So mm-hmm. you probably now speak great Spanish. <laughs> and uh, it, you say, take a walk on the wild side. Who said that? That was you. No, it was Lou Reed said that. Yeah, but also that's kind of what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you walk I, through I, town. It's visual insight into incredible in- energy with local peasants of any kind. That was to walk on the wild side. Yeah, it, it was. Um, so what well, you said, uh, what, what, was, I, what I what I did, I woke up at seven in the morning and just roamed the streets. So I mean, I can read you a little introduction here from this book. The, this book is a photography photography journey in discovering Mexico City, Mexico City, and the visual arts who live here, visual artists who live here. So put on your sneakers and tie your laces. Stop walking around with your eyes wide shut, which is true. People just walk around with their eyes wide shut. They, they're not 
absorbing anything, I would say to myself, from being highly motivated, I started on my safari walkabout tour, starting at 7 a.m., finding myself lost in time and space, wandering in this magnificent city like a predator with a camera. I like that. (laughs) I did, Because how I looked at myself as a predator. Uh, This book is not about artists. It is a visual insight to a city with an enormous amount of creative energy, and as a cradle of civilization and culture, world power must be explored. For the past years, I've been living among the shadows of the children of Montezuma. It goes on and on and on. But uh, at the bottom, I just sort of finished it up with um, history starts now. So take a walk on the wild side and you shall be rewarded with inspiration, knowledge and creative energy. And I tell you, Mexico City, it gives you so much. New York takes and takes and takes from you. Mexico City, you absorb and absorb and all you want to do is go back to New York and let it all out and then go get refills again in Mexico City. And so my books are basically, you know, they're all. I, I, I like my. Pro, I like doing documentary work. Now I did fashion for ten years, advertising, all these things. But I always wanted to do documentary and like those guys, like reportage work. And so it comes to my little quote here, which I always say: "says Death represents the loss of knowledge. Every time someone dies, we lose knowledge and time. Photography holds time and keeps knowledge alive." Shadows of the Gods is this time. And that's the title of the book. I and, love that. That's one and, of my favorite, and, favorite lines you've ever said because yeah. it is so true. And the Shadows of the Gods is incredible. Mm. Incredible. So we're getting a sneak peek, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we haven't gotten it yet out. <laughs> it's coming out. It's coming out. Uh, well, it's been it's being published in Mexico, <clears throat> so they say in two months, which could be we doubt it six <laughs> years. <laughs> no, no, no. But you know, they always there's always a very yeah, funny yeah. joke and, about and everything. Somehow, and at the last moment, it's all done in, in two seconds. You it, know, it's, it's like the Spanish. You yeah. know, you eat dinner at eleven o'clock. Yeah. You ah uh, later, 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 yeah, later. Yeah. T- people tend to be much more punctual here now. But then again, back in the day, it was sort of like. See you uh, maybe three days from yeah, now. Yeah, just, yeah. You never to have lunch to. in Mexico. Uh, you, you arrive at they say one to one to seven. They say, well, don't get there till four because it'll exactly. serve till five. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. then you're there till eleven at night. So I I hate going to lunches there because your whole day is shot. So everybody says they would invite you to lunch. I know I'll take dinner. Yeah, exactly. we, we don't do dinner. We only do lunches. And <laughs> well, I don't do lunches either because I gotta shoot. <laughs> and you take everything away from me. You know? Oh, you're so funny. Now you've got some future plan here. Latin America Week with so many other artists as well, correct? Latin America Week. I, yeah, I can't I remember. I'm a little blocked here. Uh, Latin, Latin American Week in November. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Latin America Week. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I just had a show in Southampton, and then now I have something going on. My portraits of, it's called Artist and Art Dealers, which uh, that's going to be coming up that sounds in November. Yeah. Those are sort of sort of ancient, but from Castelli to blah, 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 from Schnabel, Clement, all these peop- artists and things I photographed and dealers. However, the uh, the Mexican thing is coming up in November during Latin America Week, and we are bringing in six street artists from Mexico City, and uh, we have commissioned them to make huge murals on canvas instead of the walls. So we're going to have a show downtown at this gallery called The Vault, and um, and that is all the information I can give you at that right now because it's all very top secret. Top <laughs> secrets. But the MoMA was fabulous for you. London, the Aretha Campbell Fine Art, mm-hmm. the American Cultural Center, Stephen Kessler Gallery in Southampton, Patricia Conde Gallery, Mexico City, 
Leonard Tournay galleries. I mean, yeah. the Goss Gallery in Dallas. Yeah, that worked. Very I mean, well. those were some amazing. Throckmorton Fine Art Gallery under the Cuban Sun. I mean, those are fascinating, and you've done so such a broad, broad, been able to carry on through, and you've stuck to your instinct the whole time, which I think is so marvelous. Well, it took me a while. I got a little sidetracked, but with I, the but, Renaissance. But think of a circle, you know. Exactly. I went around to explore here, there, there, then I'm back where I started. I said this is where I always wanted to be. You know what? It took me such a long time to get around to it. But then there are all these complications. How do you make money by doing this kind of work and this thing? And I did, and I'd never had anybody help me. I did everything. Every time I sold something, put it back into my projects. And, and waiting around for grants, they take years. And you got to tell them all this nonsense that are not true or is true. And they don't believe you if they are true. And the nonsense they believe. So, I mean, and then it, it takes a while. You, I, I don't know. It's just Life is a journey. You, yeah, exactly. And there are pits and falls and bus stops yeah. and all sorts of things. Yeah. And it is a bit of a circle, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it is a tri trying times are for everyone, and that's part of the trials yeah. and tribulations of being a grown up, I suppose. But once you get through those well, times. Grown up. I'm not a grown up. <laughs> well, we think we are. Well, we'll just pretend, but I think yeah. we are. I'm I still think, 20. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Of course, none of us are in a wheelchair just yet, but yeah. anyway, we've at least you enjoy life, and yeah. you're very yeah. positive, and people love your work, mm -hmm. and they've bought just about everything you've ever done. And show me that little catalog there, because I think it's just fabulous. This beautiful water scenes, and most of your color pictures are in black and white. Yes. But I mean, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous, gorgeous, but all black and all white. All of those at the group show. They're yes, yes, I there. think they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Che Guevara over here, wow. That wasn't me. <laughs> and I know, I'm just look pointing, and then Castro yeah. over here, and yeah. it was just amazing. They're beautiful, and they're spectacular, so I am, so proud of you and so appreciative that you took the time. I, I got you off a street scene, but get over yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, please find him at um, uh, uh, Barnes and Noble for the. For oh, the, yeah. Yes, and do we have a website yet? For, for, uh, uh, oh, I have a website. Yes, what's it called? Well, we just put, use my name, just put Christoph Chris von Hohenberg, go on to Google. Yes. And then you'll have all pages and pages of me. You'll see websites, you'll see all sorts of stuff, uh, short videos, everything is there. Christoph von Hohenberg. Yes. On Google, and you'll see all of his beautiful work. I hope you enjoy it as I do, and I have many pieces of your and artwork. And lots of pictures of me and D. And yes, that's <laughs> D because we have lots, and I have so many of my friends who are collectors. Somebody said their the entire house is all full of your photographs, which is marvelous. And so many says, well, I'm buying another one, I'm buying another one, I'm buying another one. And so there's, uh, they bring She's joy. She's exaggerating. No, I'm not. I have about five of yours. I'm not. I have. And somebody else just, I mean, every time I talk to him, somebody's commissioning him to do another part of the show and mm -hmm. this and that. So I think he's become very popular. And I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And I want you around and I want to see more. And we're going to have you back in Palm Beach. We're in New York now. And we're going to do great. So don't forget, this was Miss D's Lunacy. And my motto is, lead us not into temptation. We can find it ourselves. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.